In tumultuous times, we need a guide, don't we? That, that song, that hymn is an old one. It's derived from, it's derived from Israel's story in the wilderness. And uh, you may feel a little bit like Israel uh, wandering in the wilderness. Uh, lots of trial, lots of struggle. Um, and one of the beautiful things about that story is that God was ever present with them. Even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of them succumbing to temptation and sinning, God was ever-present with them, uh, and we can go to our ever-present God uh, and seek his face in prayer. So let's, let's do that now. Our good and our gracious King, our faithful guide and Savior, we come before you this morning needy, or needy of your grace, needy of your help. Lord, here locally, uh, we uh, need your presence with us. Lord, as we, uh, as we look to try to figure out what discipleship means, what helping others follow you means here in the midst of a pandemic, uh, in the midst of all the other things that are going on, um, Lord, how do we gather? What's the best way? How can we help other people uh, help ourselves follow you. Lord, would you give us your wisdom? Would you remind us again that this is your great work uh, and we simply get to participate with you in it? Father, we pray for ourselves and we also pray for our country. Lord, we, uh, we see in many places uh, that your church is pulled to and fro, whether that's by fear, intimidation, worry, conspiracy theories, secular theories, all of these things, God, we are tossed to and fro by every scheme, by every wind of doctrine. God, may we be a church and may the church in America be a church that is rooted and grounded in your word, that we would be a people who listen first to your voice before we listen to others, and that your voice would interpret the voices of others around us. Be our guide, Lord. Father, we pray globally. Today we pray for the countries of Malaysia and the Maldives. Lord, we thank you for the stability and peace of Malaysia. But God, we pray that you would be at work among the Malay people, the majority people there. Lord, one of the largest unreached people groups in the world, God, we pray that they would be reached, uh, that they would hear the good news about Jesus and be saved. Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would strengthen the Malaysian church. We pray for unity and good leadership and increasing freedom for Christians in Malaysia. Father, we also pray for the Maldives, uh, a tiny island nation, uh, majority Muslim, uh, where it can be very difficult for uh, Christians who have to uh, worship in uh, in secret, uh, Father, we uh, we pray that you would bring uh, justice and good government to a nation troubled by political repression and upheaval, by abuse and drug use and divorce. Lord, that uh, that you would bring the light and healing of Jesus Christ to the Maldives. And, Lord, now as we open your word, as we turn to it, we pray that uh, the light and healing of Jesus would enter our own hearts, uh, that we would be a people captivated 
by the good news. And we pray it uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And what we're reading in Acts is this ongoing story of the gospel. This good news about Jesus basically conquering the world, beginning at Jerusalem and then radiating out from there. And we, we saw the beginnings of that radiation last week as, as Philip took the good news of Jesus into uh, the region of Samaria. And you may remember that the Jews and the Samaritans do not or did not care for each other. There was a thousand year history of bad blood between Jews and Samaritans. But that is, uh, that is no barrier to the gospel. Uh, as Philip takes the good news about Jesus into the, the region of Samaria, people believe uh, and there is joy as these Samaritans who've been held out from worship in Jerusalem realize that God is bringing them in. Uh, and today we're going to look at a very similar story, uh, Philip's continuing mission, uh, this, this time uh, to an Ethiopian eunuch. So let's, uh, let's pick up the story in Acts chapter 8. I'm going to start reading in verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship And was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is it about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. And went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. May he open our eyes to behold wonderful things. Amen. Evangelism. Now, if you're, uh, uh, if you're maybe examining the claims of Christianity, if you're, if you're not quite a Christian yet, you may hear that word and it may cause you to shudder. And maybe, maybe you have 
uh, a mental picture of somebody forcing their beliefs on someone else. And if you're a Christian, you actually may have that same mental picture, right? Uh, this word may give you the heebie-jeebies, right? They're like, oh, no, evangelism, oh, right? Um, but that word actually uh, comes up in this chapter quite a lot. Now, we don't read it that way. It doesn't necessarily translate that way. But, uh, but the word that comes to us or that we uh, often translate as evangelizing or to evangelize uh, Luke uses that word in this chapter more than anywhere else in the book of Acts. And I think what we're seeing in Philip, uh, it's used three times in the passage we looked at last week as he took the good news to the Samaritans. And he uses it twice uh, in this passage. Uh, Because what's happening is Philip is sharing good news. And that's what the word evangelism means. It sounds really technical, but all that it means is to share good news, particularly about Jesus, with someone else. And in this passage, Philip gives us a, a great example of what that looks like, what a, what a spiritual conversation might be. It also, in this passage, we see um, a great example of somebody who's kind of coming to the faith. So what does it look like for somebody as they're making, uh, as they're moving towards Christianity? And so this morning, as we go through this passage, uh, I want to just kind of use this as an example to talk about what it looks like to have a conversation with someone about Jesus. And you may locate yourself at several points in the story. We're going to actually look at three characters in the story. First, we're going to look at this eunuch, and we're going to call him a, a spiritual seeker. Second, we're going to look at Philip, uh, and we're going to call him a spiritual guide. And then third, uh, we're actually going to look at the Holy Spirit himself, the Spirit who is at work in both the seeker and the guide. Now, we should go ahead and say that, that not every conversation plays out like this, uh, that, um, that the Spirit is bringing together uh, a man who's ready to hear the gospel and a man who's ready with the gospel. And not everybody is in the place of this eunuch. Uh, but if you're a Christian this morning, I think many of us actually, surprisingly, can be in the place of Philip. So as we go through this story, I want you to try to locate yourself, and we're going to share some things about each one of these characters and see what they have to say to us. So let's talk about this eunuch, this man from Ethiopia, this spiritual seeker. Uh, The first thing that Luke tells us about him here in Acts uh, is that he is an Ethiopian. So he is an African. Uh, He is from, uh, so it's not the country of Ethiopia as we know it. Uh, This Ethiopia would have been kind of in the upper Nile region, southern Egypt, northern Sudan, somewhere in there. But still... He is several hundred miles away from home. The road went up through Egypt and across the Sinai Peninsula and up into Jerusalem. So it's, it's quite a trek, even if you do have a chariot. Uh, so that's his ethnicity. That's who he is. Uh, we are also told about his position, that he is uh, a treasurer for the queen mother of Ethiopia. They called her the Candace. That's not actually her name. That's her title. Uh, And he's the one who's in charge of all the money. So he is a nobleman. Uh, He has some influence. He has some power. And you can see that by the fact that he's riding in a chariot. That was not commonplace. Uh, You can also see that by the fact that he actually has a scroll to read. 
This was a day before printing presses and bookstores. Uh, and if you wanted to read something, particularly a religious literature, it came on a scroll. Um, and the, you know, that, that wasn't available, widely available to everyone. So somewhere this man has uh, obtained a copy of Isaiah and he's reading it uh, as he travels home. But the other thing we learn about him is that he is a eunuch. And that means that he has been surgically castrated. Kids, you can ask your parents about that one over lunch. All right? Maybe after lunch. Save it for after lunch. All right? Now, this was really common. Uh, this was common in royal courts. This is what kings did because they wanted to be ensure, they wanted to ensure that the men who were working for them would not mess with the queen or mess with the other, uh, their other wives or their harem. So this was very common in royal settings in the first century. That a man who wanted to work for uh, work in the court would be castrated. Now that might have been beneficial to him career-wise, uh, but it also meant that he was left. Uh, he would have no children of his own. Uh, he would have no no family of his own. No enduring legacy. Um, so that's, that's kind of his social status and standing. And then there's one more thing that we notice about him, and this is a little bit mistier, um, his, his religion. Uh, we are told, Luke tells us that he has gone to Jerusalem to worship. So this Ethiopian man, a black man, has gone to Jerusalem, traveled several hundred miles to Jerusalem to worship. Now we do not know his background. Was one of his parents Jewish? Uh, was, he a, was he a full Gentile convert to Judaism? It, it, it's not really clear. What is clear, what is interesting, is that he is seeking the God of Israel. He wants to worship the God of Israel. Not the, God of, not the gods of the Ethiopians, but he has made a decision. He wants to know more. He is seeking to know and worship the God of Israel. But as, let's assume he's a Gentile, we'll assume, we can assume that, um, as a Gentile eunuch, when he arrived in Jerusalem, he would have found several obstacles in the way of his worship. Assuming he's a Gentile, he would have been unable to go beyond what was called the court of the Gentiles. There was a wall that kept all non-Jews out of the temple proper. And we know from the Gospels, uh, the stories about Jesus, that there was a market that had been set up in that court. So if you can imagine trying to, uh, imagine trying to worship God in a first century street market. And if you want to get some idea of what that was like, maybe just go to Walmart on Labor Day weekend. Right? Imagine trying to have a close to God spiritual ex- imagine trying to have a close to God spiritual experience in Walmart anyway, let alone on a Labor Day weekend. Okay? Um, maybe I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying it's difficult. It's a lot of noise. Okay? So that would have been his experience. But even more than that, he was barred from temple worship by the law because the law in Deuteronomy 29 commanded that a eunuch could not enter the assembly. So this man is an outsider. Despite his class, despite his influence, despite his wealth, he is an outsider. 
Uh, he is forbidden from entering into God's presence. So this man who is seeking to worship God, who had traveled several hundred miles to do so, uh, is basically a man without a place, a man without a home. Right? He, he doesn't check all the right boxes to be accepted. Does that resonate with you at all? Uh, do you ever feel that you, you, you don't quite measure up? You haven't, you haven't checked all the right boxes. Well, that's where, that's where he is right now. That's where he is. So he's the seeker. And now let's talk about the guide. Uh, into this man's life, the Holy Spirit sends Philip. And there's a few things that, uh, that we want to notice about Philip. One, uh, we would say that Philip is sensitive to the Spirit. And that sounds kind of mystical and, and strange. And so let me try to explain what I mean by that. Um, three times uh, we are told that God guides Philip. Uh, first, an angel of the Lord speaks to him. Then the Spirit, it says the Spirit speaks to him. And then the Spirit takes him away and moves him on somewhere else. So spirit, uh, so Philip's steps are being guided by God, are being guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not very clear, right? We don't, Luke doesn't tell us, the, the author of Acts doesn't tell us what that meant that an angel of the Lord uh, told Philip. Was that a vision? Was it an audible voice? Was it a nudge? It's not super clear. But what is clear is that Philip is listening and he is ready to follow because he does exactly what God tells him to do. And so the first question I would have, and this is primarily addressed to the Christians in the room, are you listening for the voice of God? Are you listening for the voice of God? Are you open to the direction of the Holy Spirit? And we're going to talk about some safeguards on that in just a minute. I realize that, that people throughout history have done some really bizarre and even violent things because they said that God told them to. Okay, so we're not, we're not going so far down that road. But it's clear that Philip is open to the opportunities that the Spirit is presenting him with. Uh, he's told to go. So he's up north of Jerusalem and Samaria, and he is told to head south. There was a road that ran south from Jerusalem over to Gaza near the coast and then on down into Egypt. And, and Philip is told to go south to this road. And then we're told that this was a desert place. In other words, the Holy Spirit sends Philip to the middle of nowhere. Right? This is, this is like being told to go stand next to I-10 in southwest Texas. They just ain't nothing there. Right? I don't know if you've ever been to the desert. Uh, but it earns its name, okay? There's a lot of beauty there if you have water. Um, if not, that flatness can get old pretty quick, right? So, so Philip is told to basically head out to the middle of nowhere. He's not told why. He's not told what he will find when he gets there. But Philip is sensitive to the Spirit, and so he goes. The other thing that I want us to see about Philip is that he's steeped in the Word, that when the opportunity arises to talk with this man about the Bible, he's ready. Um, he hears this man reading Isaiah 53. He recognizes that. And we're going to talk about that conversation in a minute. But he is able to take this man from Isaiah 53 
through the scriptures and point him to Jesus. That takes knowing the Bible. And that takes also have spent, having spent time uh, with Jesus, or in Philip's case, with the apostles who had spent time with Jesus. Uh, Philip is steeped in the word. That word steep, you know what it means if you've ever had a, a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. We like coffee in our house, and so, right, you, coffee is made by grinding up coffee and then pouring hot water over it and allowing it to steep, right? The, the flavors of the coffee infiltrate, permeate the water. Well, that's Philip with the word. He has been permeated by the word. He is able, uh, and, and by the way, so let's add that then to that spiritual sensitivity, right? Because Philip is steeped in the word, he knows how to listen to the spirit, uh, he knows when the Spirit is guiding him because the, the Spirit of the Lord agrees with the Word of the Lord. But the important thing for us to realize is that, that Philip is a man already in listening. He is a man who is open to the opportunities that God is providing him. And so maybe the first question that, uh, that I would ask many of you is, what about you? Are we listening to the Spirit or are we more influenced by political rhetoric and conspiracy theories? Are we more informed by, uh, by podcasts and posts than we are God's word and God's spirit? Uh, are, what, is, what is it that permeates your soul? What is it that your ears are tuned into? Uh, the word tunes Philip into the spirit. Uh, and if we are to take advantage of the opportunities that God brings us, we also need to be tuned in to the Spirit as well. Our lives need to be permeated by the Word of the Lord. Something else I want you to notice about Philip is he's a listener. Uh, as Philip approaches uh, the chariot, he hears the man reading Isaiah 53. And so the first thing that he does, and it is kind of a humorous scene because men didn't really run. Jewish men didn't run unless you were in battle. He kind of jogs up next to this guy's chariot and says, do you understand what you're reading? Uh, and that the man answers, no, how can I unless I have a guide? And he invites Philip in. So notice that the first thing Philip does is not... Give him a canned presentation, right? He doesn't run up next to the chariot and say, hey, I got to tell you about Jesus, right? Um, but he asks a question. He wants to start where this man is. And so since this man is reading Isaiah 53, it's a great starting place. He's already in the Bible. Philip can just say, hey, do you understand that? Uh, and, in a, and basically, I can help you understand that. And so this man invites him into his chariot and into his life. Uh, so Philip is a listener, uh, and he gets invited to be a guide. And so, Christian, what I would tell you this morning is you can guide people to Jesus like Philip. What I mean by that is, is Philip doesn't have anything, doesn't have access to any special tools, that you and I don't have. All Philip has been doing is making use of the ordinary means of grace. We assume, because again, because he's spiritually sensitive, that he's been praying. That he's spent time in prayer before the Lord. And he's spent time in the Word. 
and that uh, and that puts him right that puts him in a position where he can be used by the holy spirit we don't we are we are not lacking like philip doesn't have a special degree he doesn't have any credentials he doesn't have any extra knowledge i mean i guess he kind of does because he knows how to take someone through the bible to jesus but you can do that you have the same means of grace that philip has philip in this conversation is making use of the same tools that you and I, that are, that are at our disposal as well. And so we have the seeker and we have the guide. Now, who is it that brings them together? And what happens when they come together? Well, there's a, a third person at work in this story, a third character. Uh, and he's mentioned by name a couple of times, but really he's the most important one. And it's God the Spirit. He's at work in the eunuch, right? Even before Philip shows up on the scene, the Holy Spirit has been tilling the soil of this man's heart. He just so happens, all the way down in Ethiopia, he just so happens to have heard about the God of Israel. And he just so happens to have the means to be able to get to Jerusalem to worship And somehow he just so happens to have come by a scroll so that he can read from uh, the prophet Isaiah. All of that is spiritual preparation that the Holy Spirit has been working in this man. And he has been working that in this man. Notice, again, this guy didn't check all the right boxes. He's willing. He's just not able. But that does not deter the Holy Spirit. Friend, this morning, if you are willing but not able, if you feel like, man, I I don't check all the right boxes to, to be accepted by God. This, this, this Ethiopian brother didn't either. But that does not deter the Holy Spirit from being at work. And then at the right time, and I mean it has to be just the right time. Because again, if you got sent down to southwest Texas to stand on the interstate, I don't know, how many cars do you think you would actually see pass? Right? But... But Philip is sent out into the middle of nowhere where he just so happens to catch this man's chariot. And he just so happens, he himself, right? The Holy Spirit has worked in Philip's life. He himself is prepared to share good news with this man. Who makes that happen? The answer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work in both. And as Jesus tells us in John chapter 3, the only way that this man can believe is if he is born again by the Spirit. So the Spirit's fingerprints are all over this. The Spirit, yes, Philip is working. Philip is responding to God's call. And yes, the eunuch, he comes to believe. So he exercises faith. He trusts in Jesus But underneath both of those actions is the action of God himself. God in his grace wooing and drawing the eunuch. Bringing Philip in just the right time. God in his grace working. And here's why that's really good news. Because that means that the the work of sharing the good news is the Holy Spirit's work. Uh, That it is the Holy Spirit who draws. It is the Holy Spirit who saves. And is the Holy Spirit who equips us to share that good news with others. It is the Holy Spirit's work, and we get to participate in it by His grace. 
He invites us into that work by his grace, which I find incredibly freeing. Uh, that I can, that I can, that I'm just getting to participate in what God is already doing. So go ahead and ask that question: Who, what are the opportunities that God has provided you? Are there windows of grace that God has placed in your life where you can speak about Jesus into someone's experience? Are you open to those opportunities as Philip is? What happens when the Spirit brings these two together? I'd like to think maybe that Philip walks him through some other parts of Isaiah, maybe some parts he'd already read. He would have read this in Isaiah 11, where it says, In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, that would have been the foreigners, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time, to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush. That would have been Ethiopia. Right? These far off and distant lands. And this Ethiopian man would have read of his home country being one of those places where God is gathering his people from. But maybe he would have asked, like, can I be a part of those people? And again, he would have heard the law say, no. No, you, you can't be a part of the people because... You're a eunuch. Well, if he'd kept reading in Isaiah, he would have found this in Isaiah 56. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give, this is God speaking, I will give in my house. That word house is also temple. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. This man who had been cut off and had forfeited children and the name that would be remembered is promised by God that he will receive a name better than sons and daughters. That he will receive an eternal inheritance. That he will not be cut off. He will not be separated from the Lord. So you bet his question was, how? How does that happen? How can I receive the blessing of that promise? Well, he's reading Isaiah 53. And we looked at Isaiah 53 back in December when we looked at the servant songs of Isaiah. And what we saw when we were there is that Isaiah 53 talks about this suffering servant who, like a lamb, was slaughtered. He was cut off from his people. He was pushed out. He was executed outside the city. But when that happened, he brought in his people. When he was punished, he bore the sins of his people. He, he forgave their iniquities. So when, that, so when that Ethiopian asked Philip, who's this about? Philip could say with a, with a big smile on his face, that's about Jesus. That promise from Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 56, you know who makes that happen? Jesus. 
You know who brings outsiders? People who are outside the kingdom, you know who brings them in? Jesus. This man got to walk, this, this, Philip got to walk this man through the scriptures and point him to Jesus. And that man believed. And in God's providence, there just so happened to be some water. He could be baptized and brought into the believing community. Again, Holy Spirit fingerprints are all over this. And maybe most importantly, what does it say? Uh, that after they came up out of the water and the Spirit carries Philip on to his next jet destination, the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. You bet he did. Because he'd heard good news and he believed it. Have you heard good news this morning? Does it thrill your soul? This man left in love with Jesus. And Irenaeus, a church father from the second century, tells us that uh, he went on to be a, a missionary in his home country. You bet he did, right? He'd heard good news. His heart had been won and thrilled by Jesus. And what happens when your heart is, is overjoyed and thrilled by something? You've got to tell other people. Like, you've got to share it with other people. Friend, that's, that's what evangelism is. We, we naturally commend that which we enjoy. And so I would ask you this morning, has Jesus brought you joy? Have you heard his good news this morning? That's an invitation. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you again for the good news that even if we don't check all the right boxes, even if we are a spiritual outsider because Jesus was cast outside for us, we can be brought in. And when we are brought in, he is the joy of our hearts. You, Lord Jesus, are the joy of our hearts. And we get the opportunity to participate with you in the great work of sharing the good news. Help us to do that, Holy Spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand uh, and respond to God's grace. One way we do that is through giving. Uh, you, of course, may give online or through text, but if you're giving in person this morning, the uh, offering plates are out there in the gathering area. You can do that on your way out. Let's, uh, let's give thanks to God through the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Receive God's blessing. May grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of you. And God's people said, Amen.